welcome to We Are SC Game Day. This is Eric McKinney, joined as always by Daryl Rideau and Greg Katz. Guys, USC has a home game, a Friday night home game against Utah, and this is really sort of being billed as maybe the chase for the Pac-12 South title this early in the season. And it's something where you can be sort of as down as you want on USC going and, and losing a game on the road to BYU. There's still the talent there to, to talk about them as in the chase, you know, for, for Pac-12 South title, for a Pac-12 uh, title overall. And, and this game is going to mean a whole lot, both in terms of, of the record and how this season plays out, but, but really just the perception of USC right now. How, how can they get up off the mat? How can they perform against a Utah team that was picked to win the conference uh, preseason by the media? So, so I think – there, there's so much intrigue um, with this game and I want to bring you guys in and talk a little USC Utah history. It, it doesn't, I mean, it, it does go way back in terms of they played a game, you know, forever ago, but uh, 11, 11 to six USC to Utah kind of in, in their history. But recently this has kind of taken on what I think Stanford Stanford was when, when they kind of jumped up, you know, that, that 2008, 9, 10, that little run there. This has really become the litmus test for how tough are you as a team? Can you go toe-to-toe with Utah? The last five games, it's Utah 3, USC 2, every game won by the home team. Greg, what, what stands out to you about the matchups when USC and Utah get together, especially of late? Well, of late, it's a real test of physicality. There's no question about it. Utah defensive lines have been really physical. They hit. Uh, they hit for four quarters, and they make you either blink or run out of the stadium. And I think one of the big factors is, in my opinion, there is no intimidation by USC. There's none. They know in the last, as you mentioned, uh, recent history, that they can hit with USC. Uh, games at Utah, and I've, I've been to most of the recent ones, uh, you know, they've had a great crowd support. But that being said, you know what? These guys love to get it on. And we are really going to find out, uh, other than maybe Notre Dame, just how physical USC is willing to be for four quarters. Uh, you know, let's not forget, you know, sometimes comparing scores isn't always the greatest idea, but I can't help but having watched that Utah-BYU game and the way Utah plays, which is basically like a Joe Frazier constantly pounding on you for four quarters. You know, the score might be close in the first half, but they wear you out. And once they see it, they really go after it. And they've got what I think is different about this particular matchup is Utah's offense has got a great backfield, a quarterback. And we, I know we're going to talk about this later, but they present really some challenges uh, from skill positions. But I suspect that on Friday night, we're really going to find out what the 2019 Trojans are, are all about because Utah is going to come in here and they're not going to care about the long losing streaks in Los Angeles. In fact, if anything to motivate them, that's probably a great motivator, at least to keep their minds focused at the beginning. Yeah, Daryl, how about you? Just, again, kind of recent history, USC-Utah matchups, what jumps out to you about those? Well, the first thing that jumps out um, within this rivalry is the, the year 1916, being the last time that 
a Utah Ute team came into the Coliseum and left with the victory. That's 103 years. And I'm not talking the amount of games that the Dodgers are trying to win to clinch. Um, you know, when, when you think about the more recent years, you, you alluded to it. Five and three, I think the, um, the, the record is. But what's interesting about this is I go back to 2017 when Utah probably had their best opportunity to come into, into the Coliseum and try to steal a victory. And they left 28-27. And what stood out to me in that game is how physical in the first half Utah was, but how USC figured something out. And defensively, they held uh, Utah to just six points, two field goals in the fourth quarter. And it's going to take that kind of performance against a team this year arguably is the most complete team in the in the Pac-12. Um, and if you think about the fact that they're averaging 35 points, the one statistic that stands out to me is they haven't given up any sacks. And so it's going to be very a, a challenge for this USC defense to manufacture a pass rush and, and to get, um, you know, to produce sacks. So if USC is going to win this game, it's going to take one of those 2017 performances where in the second half, offensively perhaps they come alive and defensively they as the game wears on they figure things out but they cannot afford to give up these chunk plays so this matchup of you know holding serve it has to be held by Clay Helton's version 2019 version of this USC team they have to hold serve while you lose to a BYU if you're going to lose to somebody make it a non-conference opponent but the fact that that game was physical on a short week after going into overtime can the Trojans respond back? A lot to be determined uh, Friday night. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll get into kind of breaking down offense, defense, USC, Utah as we go along here. But again, some, some real sort of standout uh, instances. You know, you, you have Cameron Smith's three interception game and you have Utah not able to get that two-point conversion in the game that, that Daryl's talking about. And really, Last year, it, it was one of those things where Utah kind of got rolling and USC just couldn't catch up. We'll see what happens on, on Friday. When we come back, Greg and I are going to talk a little bit of potential BYU hangover with some issues that we saw against BYU and, and can they get them corrected. Welcome back. Eric McKinney here, joined by Greg Katz. Greg, let, let's go back a little bit into that BYU game, but, but really trying to spin that forward a little bit. Uh, I would go into the talking about the USC defense, and really if you need to pick sort of one thing uh, that stands out in, in terms of that being an issue, I think it's you know that you can get into the backfield if you're USC, but then actually corralling the guy, running back, quarterback, whoever it is, bringing him down to the gear down to the ground ending the play that that has been uh, an issue for USC and this is going back kind of kind of years I mean I, I get it if you have a quarterback who can run really well he's going to be a problem for any defense but USC in, in particular they, they go up against these guys and you know Zach Wilson from BYU he's not he's not going to be up for the Heisman this year he's not going to be you know a, an NFL draft pick this year I mean he, he's a young guy but he found a lot of success. Tyler Huntley, the quarterback for Utah, he can run. He can do it in the pocket. He can do it out of the pocket. He, he looks like, you know, Zach Wilson times 10 times 15. Is this something where you can see, you know, there's an answer coming, that, that the USC can kind of get things corrected here 
uh, on Friday, or is this going to be kind of pulling hair out uh, again? Well, I don't mean to be the prince of negativity, but, you know, the bottom line is, is that I, I, you know, I was on the sideline for the last five minutes of the game at BYU in, in overtime. And, you know, I just watched uh, SC's defense play. And, uh, you know, you start watching them and you start saying they're not very de uh, disciplined, you know, on the edges, especially, uh, you know, BYU runs a reverse. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson's, you know, running around, especially I think the one that got to me was a quarterback draw where he, you know, he, you know, you got, you got two guys converging on me. Just, you know, it was a beautiful play. Don't take away from Zach Wilson, but, you know, my feeling is, is there's, you know, the linebacking I don't think has been sensational. And I'm thinking about Tyler Huntley and you put it 100%. It's going to be like watching uh, Zach Wilson on steroids. Let's not forget that Tyler Huntley is a former Gatorade player of the year in the state of Florida. Okay. He was a great prospect coming out of high school. Why? He ended up at, at uh, Utah. You know, I don't know enough about his history, but I know what he did coming out of high school, and I know what he did to SC last year. And, you know, they're on a mission. They're on a mission. This team, Utah, is really the first team that SC will play that has a, a stellar uh, quarterback and has a sensational maybe, maybe first or second round draft pick at running back, okay, with, with Moss. I, I just look at them and I go, wow, can SC mature in, in five, six days to, to stop these guys? I don't think the Utah offensive line is that good, but I think the players that are the skill players, uh, and also let's not leave off uh, Britt McCovey either, because he's a real dynamite receiver and special teams guy. You know, they say defense wins games. Well, you know, defense can also lose games. And uh, from my perspective, although I will be open and honest, I mean, I hope SC wins. There's no question about that. Objectively looking at it, I have great concern that, you know, fundamentally uh, they are going to have a tough time pressuring Huntley and they're going to have a tough time on play action with Moss. It's a real challenge, a real challenge. You know, offensively, I think that um, – you know, the Trojans, depending on – did they learn anything when a team drops eight back? You know, I mean, don't you run the ball more times? Don't you give the ball to Marquise uh, Step? Uh, you know, with a defense like this for Utah that's physical, isn't this right up the alley of a Marquise Step to, to, to really grind it out if they want to do it? But offensively, they're going to do what Graham Harrell wants. You know, he's calling the plays. He's the puppeteer. And that was going to be kind of the, the next thing we get into a little bit. Keen Slovis it, it looked like a true freshman at times against BYU. That was obviously kind of in, in the game plan for BYU. Let's do anything we can to kind of throw him off, give him looks that maybe he's not ready for. And, and it worked early and it worked late. And, and those were the only times that BYU really needed it to work. And they got it done, uh, you know, 10, 10 quick points off the turnovers early and then finishing the game off. Uh, you know, in, in overtime, Clay Helton on, on Wednesday, he said, you know, basically all the faith in the world that Keaton Slovis is going to bounce back, ex expects him to have, you know, a, a tremendous game. Y your thoughts, is this something where now we've seen <laughs> Slovis against Stanford, you know, just do whatever he wanted, 
We've seen him against BYU. You know, taking out the three interceptions, not bad numbers the rest of the game, but he, he did that have those, you know, true freshman mistakes. Where does he sort of fit right now, kind of in, in his maturation, and what can Utah kind of do against him? Do, do you expect him to have that bounce-back game that, that Graham Harrell and Clay Helton certainly expect from him? Well, I think he's going to have a better game, okay? But here's the key. Just remember this, that Stanford did not get to him early and rough him up. I mean, in that first quarter, Slovis got racked a couple of times, and he didn't bounce up like a, you know, like a spring. So the message was, we're coming to get you. And what I was disappointed in, which I think they have to do, and we, I alluded to this a moment ago, if someone's only going to rush three, you you gotta you gotta run the ball. Except here's a problem now. The problem is is that Utah has maybe three or four guys who are going to the NFL. And if you thought BYU could really move it, talking about your your comment about on steroids, I mean there's it's the the, the Utah defensive line is gonna come fast. They're gonna see what happened in BYU. You know, I don't expect Slovis to have a game like he had against Stanford maybe the rest of the season. But that because that was an out of this world game. But I think it's gonna my my focus is gonna be on the coaching staff. They cannot make this guy keep passing the ball. And I'll just say to Utah, come and get him. Because they're gonna get him. And they've got to they've got to have a running attack. If anything, they gotta play a little ball control to take the pressure off of him. Now they tried doing that in the second half, okay, because there was more runs than there was passes. But the key is. In the end, you know, it, some of it's going to come down to coaching, too. It's going to be strategy to help the kid out. Uh, you know, I think he's a gamer, but this is the biggest game he's ever played in. Maybe the biggest game he's going to play in all year. Yeah, and, and I think the point of, you know, seeing some sort of fatal flaws on offense and defense against BYU, having to turn around so quickly and getting – Again, a team that already beat BYU by 18. I mean, Utah does a lot of what BYU does, except they do it better on both sides of the ball. And so that's going to be kind of the interesting thing of getting these back-to-back tests, um, you know, right away within six days of each other. So when we come back, we're going to start really breaking down, uh, looking at kind of offensive, defensive matchups. We'll bring Del Rideau in to talk Utah offense against that USC defense. Welcome back. Eric McKinney joined by Daryl Rideau. Daryl, we're going to talk a little USC defense and how they match up against a, a Utah offense that is kind of scary in terms of they really do well what USC sort of struggles against. They have a running back who just, I mean, lives for yards after contact, <laughs> loves contact, right. loves running through it. They have a quarterback who can throw from in the pocket but can really get out and, and is dangerous um, w- with his feet. A- and then they've got some wide receivers who, A, can beat you deep, but also can do some stuff with kind of movement in the backfield and, and get to the edge quickly. And that's something that we've also seen USC struggle with, kind of getting out to the perimeter and, and rallying to the ball out there. W- what do you see, I guess, overall as, as the biggest – challenges. I mean, not that I didn't just list a bunch of them, but the a, 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 lot, a lot of things that'll keep you up at night. Um, again, this is by far USC's greatest challenge, and not to take anything away from a Stanford team that is the shell of itself, and going on the road against a BYU team that was uh, that tested 
the fortitude of this defense and at times got the better of them and really kind of challenged how smart can this group play together. Um, underachieving at the linebacker position, not getting the same type of production that, that they got with Cam Smith at the Mike linebacker. And, and again, John Houston is not a natural Mike linebacker, but doing a serviceable job. Um, and everyone wanted to understand where was the production going to come from, from a pass rush. And when you have to rely on a true freshman like Drake Jackson, well, that says a lot about his talent. But at the same token, it just lets you know that that this team is limited in a lot of areas. Again, the, the strength of this defense continues to be in the interior part of the, the defense, in particular the defensive line. And then from there, it kind of mushrooms out. But the way that Clancy calls his defense, he likes to suffocate the line of scrimmage and try to fan uh, the running back out to go east and west. Against a team like this, you talked about Zach Moss and his ability uh, to get into the second level and bounce off. This is a big boys game. You're going to have to bring more than Velcro because when you, when you hit him, you're going to have to grab cloth. Otherwise, he will bounce off of players. But I, I really everything in this offense is predicated around the success of uh, Tyler Huntley. And I, I just had to glance down in my notes to make sure that I saw this accurately. In 2018, he threw for four touchdowns against USC. So this is a team that he truly feels comfortable with. He, he doesn't feel threatened by the system. And perhaps it's because um, Utah features a very similar nickel package. So he sees this type of front day in and day out. And he knows where the holes are. You give a guy like that confidence in his ability, like you talked about, to escape out of the pocket. Not, it may not hurt or impact USC in the first quarter, but as the game wears on, if, if, if the pocket um, – adjust and Huntley gets out and now he, uh, the pocket collapses and he's sprinting out. You're asking a tall order for your defensive lineman to have to sprint down to make big plays. So where this game is going to come down to, it's USC's ability to contain Huntley in the pocket, but also always spying on Moss. But no sooner than you do that, you have to go back to two years ago when, when B, uh, Utah was in the Coliseum and they had a trick play. And that, that play came from Damari Simpkins. He threw a touchdown. So it, this is an offense that's not afraid to go deep into the playbook and pull out something to really test and see how smart USC is. The one play that I am expecting is for Utah to show and feature a little bit of that bunch set just to see and test how smart USC is, considering they may be down one of their starting corners. Can USC communicate and cover in the backfield or will you see a situation where it's a fake toss to Moss and all of a sudden you get a slot receiver leaked out up the seam? Those are some of the things that USC has to prepare for. But it, it, although it's a tall order, they are playing in the confines of the Coliseum where Utah hasn't had the greatest amount of success. Yeah, and Utah is a team. We, we've seen it. Fresno State, Stanford, uh, BYU. Fully, fully prepared to go misdirection, sort of trick plays, stuff kind of going all over the place. And Utah, USC hasn't responded well to that. Right. And Utah has shown that they absolutely will, will pull that stuff out. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts, uh, talking to Clancy Pendergast this week and really kind of watching them throughout. The, there's obviously so much emphasis from the defensive line and the defense as a whole to stuff the interior runs. That yeah. They're going to live by stopping those runs and trying to rally as best they can to get outside. Right. Uh, 
Utah coach Kyle Whittingham was asked this week about how much do you sort of put in your game plan something that maybe your your opponent is struggling against versus something that you always do. Now, Utah is a team, if they could just run the ball straight up the middle at you every time, they'd obviously be very, very comfortable doing that right. and going ahead and, and moving with that. How much do you get a sense that they'll really test that and try to prove themselves uh, you know, against that front of USC? And how much do you think they'll just hit those outsides all the time and it'll be up to USC to kind of figure that out and get to the outside? Well, I think that's a great question because if you're USC and your emphasis has been stuff in the middle and forcing the play to go outside, well, at times it doesn't always work for you. So I think this is the one game where you might go what they call loose nine techniques have your two defensive ends kind of flared out a little bit more, inviting the ball to remain in the interior. Got a lot of great, I got a great deal of confidence in USC's two safeties, uh, Palomaro and Hufanga, coming downhill and, and really kind of stuffing their nose in, in the run game. If USC is going to have success, it's because they're keeping the ball in the center of the field where the defense can kind of collapse interior, uh, into the interior part and suffocate the running game. But this is still a balanced Utah attack that has had drives of nine plus minutes. Now, granted, it might have been against an Idaho State or, you know, some, some slouch like that. But make no mistake about it. This is a team that's gained confidence in that wants to play with ball control and control the tempo. On the road, that's crucial if you're trying to keep a disgruntled, um, you know, irritable USC fan base from getting really deeply involved in this game. But uh, this game is always gonna come down to your ability to tackle and, and minimize yards after the catch. Again, if USC can have success and not give up those early chunk plays because they over pursue and give those cutback angles, then they'll have some success. But I'm not certain that, that what happened at BYU was an aberration. I, I just think that BYU exposed some things in this defense, in particular when USC gets stubborn and they tend to go long variations of man coverage. Expect, B, uh, expect Utah to take a, a chapter out of BYU's playbook and try to exploit the same thing. I do like USC's matchups against their receivers, but I do think because of their ability to run that fly series, they're quick, they're nimble, they got Covey, they got a lot of different size receivers that could pose challenges if USC has to go deep into the bench. For example, if Isaac Taylor Stewart is unhealthy and perhaps you're starting a true freshman, granted a top recruit out of Chris Steele, um, but behind him, things start to get a little thin. You got Greg Johnson, who is coming up, you know, kind of banged up a little bit. If, if he has to play some time at the corner position, does USC have confidence that Chase Williams can hold his own in the slot? Again, a lot of questions. And if you're a Willingham or Whittingham, you're trying to get USC out of its base defense and into those deeper rotations to really try to see how smart they are in terms of making those corrections. Yeah, like, like you mentioned, it, it looks like Isaac Taylor Stewart, the corner, is doubtful dealing with uh, concussion. Greg Johnson has been cleared, but again, went through concussion protocol from a hit that he took against BYU. Christian Rector still sort of a, a game time decision, and it, he's such a big piece of that defensive line. Um, yeah. lo looks, you know, maybe probable, but again, you know, not a, not a sure thing that he's going to play after he missed that BYU game. So 
just a, a ton of questions facing this USC defense. And they talked this week about, you know, having some, some confidence and really just they talked about its execution. When you get to the guy, you tackle him. When, when the play starts, you get to the guy. And, and that sounds really easy. They're, they are, but like you said, they are going to be tested uh, against this USC, Utah offense. And maybe looking down the road, you know, Washington always has some guys. Oregon has some guys. Notre Dame has some guys. Maybe in terms of uh, quarterback, running back, wide receivers, right. tight end, offensive line maybe this is the most complete offense that they're going to go against. Luckily, USC, like we've mentioned, has them at home, and that's where they've had success recently against Utah. After this, we're going to come back, bring in Greg Katz. We're going to flip the ball a little bit, uh, talk a little USC offense going against that Utah defense. Welcome back. Eric McKinney here, joined by Greg Katz. And Greg, we're going to talk USC offense. Uh, this is something where, you know, at various points this year, it's looked like, hey, they've got this thing figured out and here we go. And then at other points, it's, you know, maybe the run game's still not as strong as, as it could have been, which was a thought, you know, kind of coming into the season. We'll see what the offensive line does. Um, I, I'm curious, your expectations for, for the USC offense coming in against the Utah defense that hasn't really been challenged by, you know, dynamic offenses this year, Idaho state, Northern Illinois, and they, they really shut the BYU offense down Two interceptions returned for touchdowns, which was a, a huge part of their, their winning margin. Um, but this is the Utah offense. They have not given up a hundred yards rushing in any game so far. Um, 65 yards a, a game on the ground. And they're in, you know, top three, top four uh, of the Pac-12 in just about every every defensive statistic. Well, I think that at, at this point, uh, there's no question in my mind it's going to be about strategy. It's going to be about coaching strategy. Look, you know, the, the air raid offense is like the wishbone at one point. Coaches catch on to it. Remember, Washington dropped eight back against Washington State, and Washington State still hasn't beaten Washington. And what does BYU do? They take out, a, a, you know, the, the Washington film, and they, they stay in eight-man, uh, you know, deep. So my feeling is, is okay, what are you going to do about it? So I'm really – I tell you what, the guy who's on the spot to me, and, uh, you know, I try to tell it like it is, is Graham Harrell. I think he's – you know, this guy's coming from North Texas. You know, I don't consider that the major leagues, okay? That doesn't mean he's not a major league coach by any stretch, but what it means is, Look, he's got to make some adjustments, too. You know, you can't sit there and say, well, this worked against, uh, you know, uh, Alcorn or, they, you know, worked against, uh, you know, Idaho or, or Akron. You're playing major college football and you're trying to, to, to think we're going to out-scheme them. It isn't going to happen. So uh, what I think will happen is I think they'll have to run the ball. The problem is, is that they're not playing a team that uh, – is the type of team that you want to test your running game. You want, in other words, you don't practice in the game, okay? You don't work on your physicality in the game. And the real challenge is, is that offensive line of SCs, which has been questionable, uh, is going to get the, the, their hands full. And that will also dictate to a great deal how the offense does. Keaton, Keaton Slow is, if a guy's open, he's going to hit him. But, you know, the, the thing is, is I don't know how much time he's going to get. I don't know. 
that that's going to be the real question for for me and, and maybe for anybody and the coaches the players everybody talked about it this week this is a, a big man game this is a game one in the trenches you look at Utah's front four Bradley and I is, is maybe the best defensive end in the Pac-12 when you look at what BYU did throwing that you know a big 320 pounder right there on the ball and just having him fire off at, at Brett Neal in the center play after play after play Utah has two 330, 335 pounders at defensive tackle. Lucky Fotu is, is a guy USC went after uh, in terms of recruiting. They obviously saw something in there. Utah gets him. Those two defensive tackles, I think, are kind of the key to this game. If USC can get some push there um, up front and really kind of keep Keaton Slovis clean in terms of pressure straight up at his face, I think you have some success. They couldn't do that against BYU. And in the game, as that was happening, play after play after play, they couldn't find an answer to that. And I think for you, I know you love to watch kind of offensive line, defensive line. I know that has to be um, an answer. But I do think that they can have some success outside with the wide receivers. You know, Michael Pittman has had games uh, against Utah. I think a question, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown has some health stuff with a foot right now. We'll see if he can play. But getting someone outside of Pittman to, to step up and, and really help Keaton Slovis, I, I think you have to get that passing game going because it's obvious that the USC wants to throw the ball, and, and that's going to be kind of the, the driver of this offense. After this, we're going to come back. We're going to hit on our three things for USC Utah. <laughs> Eric McKinney here, joined again by Daryl Rideau, Greg Katz. Guys, there are three things, the, the three sort of matchups, keys, numbers that, that we think are going to help determine USC-Utah on Friday night. Daryl, go, go ahead and give us your three. Utah's defensive line, 6'5", 335. Does USC have an answer to help kneeling at the center position? You know, that's my first takeaway. Defensively, I'd like to know if can they really contain Huntley and, and force him to be just a traditional pocket passer. And offensively, can you be balanced on your own terms? If USC can do that, manufacture run uh, and play action pass when needed, I think that they'll have a success in this game. If not, you, you, Utah will be experiencing its first victory since 1916 in the Coliseum. All right, Greg, how about you, your three things? Well, I'm going to agree with Daryl on the first one. Uh, maybe a slight little deviation. The offense and defensive lines uh, on both both sides. I, I I don't think it's just one-sided because it's going to, who dominates who. You know, big man wins. Marv Goo. Okay. Second point to me is coaching. I think more than ever, coaching has got the strategy of it has to really uh, be point on to help Slovis and probably the defense a little bit. Uh, you know, my, my colleague of uh, Kevin Bruce will be watching very closely that the strategy on defense. I know that, right, Kevin? And uh, third and, and, and final is fan support. Are the fans going to show up on a Friday night in L.A.? I think if SC would have been beaten BYU, okay, they would have, there'd be a lot of people there. Battle of undefeateds. I think that have put the brakes to a lot of enthusiasm and people are going to say, well, why am I going to drive into the Coliseum when it's on television? So we'll see the people who are actually in the Coliseum, how much of a home field advantage 
they can provide uh, when SD gets gets it going. My three are, are strictly numbers. I, I'm looking at Zach Moss yards after contact. D does he break tackles all game or, or does he go down quickly when USC defenders get to him? I'm looking at turnovers. This is something where USC has, you know, now multiple games with multiple turnovers. Utah has one turnover on the season. They have at least one interception on defense in every game. I think that's something where USC absolutely has to play a clean game. And then the last number for me is tackles for loss. This is something USC has, has you know, racked up some, some tackles for loss. But that shows you kind of which defensive line is playing on the on for them the right side of the line of scrimmage. And this is something where if USC, their running backs are getting chopped down in the backfield over and over. And of course, that's going to include sacks too uh, in that number. I think those three things, kind of in terms of just sheer numbers, uh, could tell the story of who ends up winning this game. But again, like we all said, let's watch those offensive and defensive lines, those big men battles. Uh, in this game, I, I think also are going to go a long way. So for Greg, for Daryl, we'll come back right after this, and, and we're going to give a few Pac-12 picks, including our picks for USC Utah. Welcome back. Eric McKinney here, Greg Katz, Daryl Rodeau. Guys, uh, a few interesting games in the Pac-12. Uh, again, you know, conference games, some interesting out-of-conference out of games. We're going to start kind of familiar territory. We're going to go to BYU, which is where Washington visits. Kind of a, a weird sandwich week for USC. You get BYU last week. You get Washington next week. And so this will give kind of an idea of, of what I think to expect when USC goes up uh, to play Washington. Greg, your, your pick on Washington's visit to BYU. Well, what I think is interesting is that the Washington at BYU game is going to be at the same time as USC uh, – uh, you know, can watch them play. The, the important thing is, is that I believe that Washington should win. But, uh, you know, BYU, is, I don't think is going gonna, is gonna to clap. They've got a lot of momentum to play in, you know, Lavelle Edwards Stadiums. But I'm still going to pick Washington. All right, Daryl. Yeah, I just think that Washington has a ton of firepower. And I'm not certain that you'll see the same BYU team if they have to play from behind. Because – I thought that Zach Wilson played out of his mind. I'm not sure if he's built to come back from behind. And it's just a tall order. Two overtime games over the last two weeks, that's a lot of emotion for anybody, even if you are the oldest team in, in all of the FBS. Yeah, I, I'm with Daryl on that for that reason, too. I, I think BYU has put a, a ton of energy out. You saw the, the fans storm the field after beating a, a number 24-ranked USC. I think that's how much emotion – they sort of poured into that. I think Washington wins, but I think it has more to do with maybe a, a BYU letdown than really how good Washington is. But certainly USC and, and USC fans and, and us will get a taste of that with Washington coming up next week. A, a Pac-12 conference game, a Pac-12 North conference game that was sort of the, the Pac-12 headliner game of, you know, years and years recently Oregon goes to Stanford. Greg, do, does Stanford kind of have anything to give Oregon at, at this point? Yeah, they have, they're going to give them another win. Uh, you know, uh, I this Stanford team to me, and, and kudos to our colleague uh, Daryl. I think Daryl called in on the Central Florida game, and he was 
he, he got a lucky break there with the Michigan State uh, call on that <laughs> one too. But we have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, but I, I think the Stanford team is so disoriented now that I, I think that there's no way that, that, that they can beat um, Oregon in Palo Alto. It's just not going to happen. Daryl, how about you? You know, um, look, Shaw will have this team ready to play, prepared. This is their rival game, their version of the USC-UCLA game. Um, and you always seem to get the best out of an opponent. And if Oregon makes the, the mistake of looking ahead or overlooking this team that's, that's wounded, they can find themselves, you know, in a dogfight. And that's exactly what Stanford is going to need. They're going to need a dogfight to get uh, Oregon out of its rhythm, out of its elements. I don't know if they have enough firepower, but stranger, stranger things have happened playing up there in, um, you know, up there at the farm. So while I don't think that they have enough firepower, I'm curious to see if the game is close. Can they pull it out? Nah, Oregon's going to win by two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Oregon, and I think it's interesting. We talked about the USC schedule so much this offseason. The first six games, the first six games, they're, they're so loaded. You start looking at Cal and Oregon in, in that second half of the yeah. schedule, and it doesn't get a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. I, I think Oregon, you know, they, I, I think they kind of choked away that Auburn game to start the year. I think they look a whole lot different uh, if they're able to hang on and win that game. I, I think – they're all too happy to go kind of add to Stanford's misery right now. Stanford dealing with kind of some injury issues and, and just doesn't feel like that Stanford team. Now we go to, to Friday night's game, USC, Utah. Daryl, going to start with you. Go, go ahead and put it out there. Look, I played against a team out of Utah in the Vegas Bowl, uh, Pete Carroll's first season, 2001. And I, I was on the field with a lot of guys that reeked of alcohol because we partied all week and was unprepared. This Utah team has USC's attention, and I do think pride comes in. And as much as we want to say that USC kind of fell apart, let's remember, despite throwing the interceptions and fumbling the ball and just kind of, you know, kind of clucking away opportunities, they still went into overtime with an opportunity to either win or tie the game. So a lot of self-inflicted wounds. This is a much better team than we want to give it credit for out of USC. It's just the question is what team shows up. And I do think pride shows up on Friday night. And I do see a closer game than many would uh, probably contend. 35-27, USC pulling it out simply because they make one more play than Utah, who tries to get too cute to try to steal a victory in the Coliseum. All right. Greg, how about you? Okay, let's start off with something positive. USC is 2-1 and one on the season. They have a winning record, right? Okay, I feel good about that. But the truth of the matter is I don't feel good about them playing Utah. And my feeling is this. If SC is in the game in the third or late or into the fourth quarter, Utah is going to have some panic. They're on national TV. SC is going to stop worrying about, woe is me. Hey, we can actually win this game. That being said, I figure maybe SC could really, you know, all of a sudden say, we could do this. Unfortunately, uh, I think if SC plays as well as they can play and Utah plays as well as they can play, I think Utah is going to win. Yeah, th this for me is one of those heart head games, right? Like when you look at it, Utah does so many things that gives USC absolute fits. And it just doesn't feel like 
in six days after BYU, they can fix all of those things. I think there's, you know, maybe some some Coliseum magic uh, for for USC if if I have to go ahead and guess. I, I I'm swayed a little bit by Daryl. I, I do like the idea, and and Greg too. I, I think there is something where Utah comes in as kind of the team that's supposed to win, and I think that's a lot of pressure for a team that maybe hasn't had a whole lot of that. And, and I do think there is a chance for USC. There are so many ifs to this, right? The, the offensive line, if the offensive line shows up, if they can get some run games going, if they can tackle, you're waiting and waiting and waiting for all of that stuff to happen. I, I think kind of, you know, you talk about eggs in a basket. This is that basket full of eggs. If this goes well for USC, that sets the tone for, I, I think, a big chunk of the rest of the season because all of a sudden Washington, you know, doesn't look unbeatable and, and the trip to Notre Dame, kind of anything – can happen out there I, I think this just shoots your season in, in one of two directions and I with my heart want to say USC does get it done against Utah but a lot to find out about this game on Friday night about the USC team and about this USC program as Utah comes to the Coliseum for a 6 p.m. kick against the USC Trojans for Greg Katz for Dale Rideau this is Eric McKinney Thanks for watching We Are SC Game Day.